everyone. Thank you for listening to another edition of Unscripted Equity Curiosity, a bi-weekly podcast with Hedgeye Chat, Ami Joseph, Hedgeye China, Felix Wine, and yours truly, Hedgeye Communications, Andrew Friedman. I believe we are on episode number lucky 13, so it is only appropriate that we get the latest update from Felix on China since his space has been imploding the last couple of weeks. But Felix, I don't, I'm not trying to make light of it. Um, I know it's been quite a lot of volatility. Uh, you obviously have much more knowledge about what's going on uh, than uh, most of you and definitely more than uh, Ami and I. So uh, you know, why don't you give us an update on what's going on? Why is this happening? How long do you think it will last? And then you know, I'm sure Ami and I will have a ton of follow-up questions for you uh, as we go. I have no idea what you're talking about, Andrew. The, the skies <laughs> are blue in China. Everybody is very happy and giddy and going on with their lives. The government, they're all sleeping away. They're still so happy with what's going on with China these days. They have no role. Uh, everybody's watching the Olympics in Tokyo in blue clear water. So I don't know what you know. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, things turned upside down, of course. It, uh, there's a lot uh, going on in China. There's um, regulation is the key word. Um, so I'll try to be as succinct as possible. But there's so much moving parts here. There seems to be a new policy. Uh, or new document or decree by the government every day. So, you know, um, at least with my profile, I'm trying to get everybody on top of what's going on. There's just so much to keep in touch with. But I'll I'll tell you what really got the snowball rolling, because we talked about regulation on one of the earlier episodes of, uh, of our podcast. But what really got the snowball rolling was two main catalysts. One was the DD. Um, the, the Didi catastrophe. Didi is considered to be China's Uber. And, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot more work on it, so I won't talk too much about Didi. But in a very short nutshell, what happened with Didi was they got too eager to list. And specifically, they wanted to list in the U.S. So the cyberspace um, uh, administration of China, they basically said, okay, CAC basically said, no, 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 we have to take a step back and review your documents, make sure your overseas data, your overseas big data is in compliance with how we look at data security, you know, national security. So give us some time, we need to review through the documents. So that was basically what was going on. And Didi said, okay, that's fine. Except, you know, we have the documents for you. We just really want to list. Um, now, that's probably not the full story. But that's what most people I talk to believe what happened. So then DD listed, of course, IPO. It turned out to be, and then the government said, all right, we're going to go after you hard now. And they sent at least nine different regulatory bodies to their offices, raided their offices, basically decided you can't sign on new users. Well, we're going to go with this investigation, which could last for months, so DD stock got pounded. Then, a few weeks later, education. So, you know, this was, uh, you know, I, I, I deserve to get punched in the face for this because I thought, I really thought that the, the education companies, they were already down 50% when I decided, all right, you know, some of these are going to survive 
even with heavy regulatory oversight. Well, I was wrong because the, the education news came out and they wanted to make these companies nonprofit. Uh, the last time I checked, you know, if you're a company, you're there to make profit. So, you know, that's a heavy, heavy blow. This was a black swan event. Uh, I was cursing left and right when this happened. It was just unheard of. But I call these two events out because the education event in particular got people thinking about, holy shit, you know, what what else could they do? Are they going to nationalize a lot of these companies? Like, who are they going after? Like, this is pretty serious in terms of a gigantic shift of business operations in terms of, you know, how the government looks upon how, you know, a lot of these companies operate and looks like they could potentially make giant uh, adjustments to fit what they consider to be compliant, fair competition, anti-monopoly, uh, and a, a variety of other, you know, demographic and sociological issues that plaguing China. So that's the other side of why they're doing this. Um, so I just wanted to throw out there. I, I, I probably talked a lot, but those no, are the main two catalysts that yeah, no, really that's got that's uh, people are worried about China. <clears throat> yeah, no, Felix, that was really helpful. Thank you. Um, I, I, I guess maybe you could like dig a little bit deeper into like why they, like I, I know you kind of already did, but I, I'm just like curious. Like, don't they understand like the economic pain and the disruption that they're causing to their own corporations? And, and you know, that's that's probably a question coming from this like you know, I'm very naive and I don't know much about China, right? But it just seems that they're just destroying kind of their own, you know, equivalent of I guess it's the public sector or, you can, or private sector, you can call it that. But um, yeah, any any other insight? I, I'd love to kind of understand that a little bit. Yeah, wait, I mean, they're I, killing. Uh, wait, hold on, Felix. As part of that, yeah. as part of that, um, just let's also consider like what China's sort of doing. Like when you look at capital markets. Um, it's been for you know the last hundred years, whatever. It's been a great place for trade, and trade creates normalization of um, interaction between and interdependence, global interdependence, and we all kind of like rely on each other to follow a certain kind of like set of rules so that there's a clean, more lighted place so we can all trade on the same basis, right? We're all we're using the same measurements, right, to, to trade and so, like, in the past, for example, this kind of thing, you know, like Brazil, um, if they, like, went and, like, devalued their currency or whatever it is and screw the bondholders and then, like, no bondholders want to invest in Brazil. So they, that government gets elected out. A new government comes in. It's like, all right, we're going to follow the rules, you know, peg our currency or whatever it is. And everyone plays by the capital rules. Is China basically saying, like, we actually don't, care about foreign capital coming into China? Is that like part of the, is that part of like what the statement is here? Or I want to add that into the mix. Yeah. Much more, so, much more eloquent answer than mine. I mean, thank you. <laughs> I don't want to create a, like a doomsday scenario because that's not what it is. Right now it's just a lot of adjustment period. I always call it adjustment period because regulation 
still in my mind is an adjustment period. There's nothing permanent. There are adjustments to be made after the regulations come out. There's always feedback between the companies, the investors, the people who are managing these companies. You know, they're going to give feedback to the government, and the government is going to see if, you know, adjustments need, need to be made. So, for example, to answer Andrew's question first, um, yes, they're killing the golden goose, for example, in China, right? All these super, super, super companies, I call them, because they're, their products are a necessary part of people's livelihoods. And they have transformed China for the last 20, 20, to, you know, 20 years or so, 10 to 20 years. It's made China a super giant power and you're just literally choking them in many different ways, right? So then the last couple of days, the regulators came together. They actually met with some bankers, so to speak. Um, the biggest one was the CBIRC, which is the China Regulatory Insurance Financial. Uh, I can't remember fully the acronym, but they're, they're in, in charge of the, kind of the financial oversight and financial regulatory uh, um, body. And they basically try to instill some calm to all the fear that, about China equities. And they're saying, all right, yeah, education was a very unique space. You know, we don't anticipate inflicting any kind of these transformational changes to any other industry. So the markets needed to hear that. That's number one. The second thing is they finally pumped liquidity into the market. For, for a long time, you know, China's been kind of sitting on the sidelines on, and haven't been doing anything. Well, they, they finally pumped liquidity into the markets last night. I think that was a welcome change. And then the state media, you have a lot of these, I call them government mouthpieces, you know, it's like five to ten newspapers, old school new newspapers. They don't even print online. It's just old school newspapers. You have to go under the factory and buy one, and they're very, uh, you know, they're they're kind of very influenced by government thinking, and they all came out and tried to support the market, saying, you know, fundamentally nothing has changed for China. We're not going into this deep recession or depression that people are anticipating from all these regulatory changes. This has just been adjustment period. So. That's kind of why we saw a little bit of a rally the last couple of days. So I, I, I think, again, it's kind of ebbs and flows, right? So uh, it's been very painful for Chinese investors uh, for the last, I would say, four months. Um, but we'll see how, how regula regulations are going to potentially change in the second half of this year. Now, because Felix, well, Felix, so you know, if you're seeing... Sorry, yep. go, well, right, go ahead, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to answer Omni's question uh, very quickly. So one of the things, Omni, I think you're right, it was about uh, do they care about capital inflows um, from the foreign, um, you know, foreign corporations, foreign investors? Absolutely. I mean, China's been trying to open up their markets. Uh, financially, they're opening up their markets. They're, you know, they're... Um, but they're just when when they put out the regulations, you know they have to be careful. They have to protect their own data security um, from uh, you know. And, and it's not just China doing this. Every other country is doing the same thing. But um, they don't get as much attention as China is. So 
what ends up happening is, you know, people were worried, all right, well, you have Chinese companies listed in the U.S. How does that work now? Is that going to be influenced? Are they going to be delisted? Uh, you know, because you guys don't want foreign ownership of these Chinese companies. It's a very complicated structure called VIE. Very more interesting to these. So yesterday they came out and said, no, 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 we're okay with that. Um, we want cross-border backflow flows. Um, we, you know, sounds like they're, they're going to supervise more the VIE structure, but they're not going to eradicate it. Um, they're going to keep it in place, which to me, again, another relief that to me puts out another headwind out of the mix, which is all these stocks get delisted from China's end. I know the U.S. has other plans with uh, their accounting board to see if China stocks are in compliance, but that's a separate issue. Um, so I just wanted to raise that. I think China's very welcome, and they continue to be very welcome of foreign cooperation. Um, again, you know, they're already opening up their, their markets through a lot of different ways. The, the QDI scheme, they're opening that up. They're allowing foreign investors to come in and make it easier to invest directly into their companies, not via the VIE structure, but through other mechanisms. So they definitely welcome foreign partnership. I don't think that's going to go anywhere. Uh, I think that's going to change because of these regulations. It just seems like every so often, like, so generally speaking, um, they want to continue to open up their financial markets like the U.S. as like Europe, et cetera. Um, but every so often, they just like bring down the hammer like this, basically. <laughs> just want to remind everybody who's in control. Is that kind of is it like a control statement to the degree? It, it, a little bit of a control statement. Um, you know, it's a socialist economy right now, right? So. They, they want to oversee a lot of the operations to make sure it's in compliance with national law, national security. Unfortunately, they picked the wrong time right now because China is getting, uh, China is under a lot of stress from many countries, uh, you know, criticizing them for various different issues, trade, ideology, ideology and so forth. So they're getting hit from outside, you know, from, from uh, foreign uh, countries, and then they're hurting themselves, right? They're kicking themselves in the foot domestically. So these Chinese companies are getting hit on both sides. It's just very, very unfortunate timing on um, what they're doing. Um, but, but, if, yeah. but, but if it's just a warning, then, and these stocks are down, like just like have been destroyed, um, shouldn't people buy like with two hands and two fists and everything else that they have? Like, huh, I was just going to ask that. I was like, which yeah, one, what, do we, what do we buy? Or like, yeah, what am I? What am I? I gotta call compliance. I gotta get in here. What? What's in the order? <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I I I think it's. I mean, this is just my opinion, right? I'm a very. I tend to be an optimistic type of guy. I think where there's a lot of fear, where there's a lot of sharks, where uh, a lot of big investors are selling out. That kind of re reminds me of what happened with the great financial crisis, right? There was a lot of fear, a lot of moving, and that turned out to be one of the bottoms um, for you to buy if you're a longer-term perspective. So I, I think, you know, 
again, China's in a very interesting kind of rectification period right now. These governments don't want to destroy the businesses, so to speak. They just want them to be more in conform to what they think is uh, is appropriate, um, according to cultural values, uh, according to what the government sees as socially right, um, and to be open up a more fair platform for everybody. Um, so, you know, I'm getting more philosophical and ideological here, but this is what they believe in. So they're going to look at it to, you know, figure out how, how, how to achieve that kind of state. Um, there's a saying, you know, no pain, no gain. Well, right now we're in the pain stage. But eventually, I think there's going to be a major shift in various different industries, whereas the survivors of these, you know, adjustments, the survivors of these adjustments will be much, much better off, stronger, and with tons of government support after they go through this, which makes them much more valuable businesses in my mind. So, yeah, you know, if I was managing some money, I would definitely put a lot in China right now. It's the only market in the world this year that's having all these issues. I mean, Felix, I don't mean to cut you off, but, like, I just think, like, let's just talk valuation for a second, right? Like, government not stepping in with regulation and blowing up you know, and causing a lot of risk. Like, like if we just look at, like, on a t- trailing 12-month basis or, like, you know, excluding the government piece, like, these stocks have to be, like, like a BABA or something, like, has to be, like, look stupid cheap on a historical basis, right? Because the, the risk it, premium it, on the government side is just so yeah. high. It, but if, if that you compare, away, yeah. Yeah, I, I, you're, you're absolutely right. If you compare the Internet giants of China and you compare with the Internet giants of the U.S., Facebook, Microsoft, Google, it's, it's the incredible valuation discrepancy. But unfortunately, no one cares about valuation right now um, that much. Uh, I know fundamentally everything looks extremely cheap, but when the, value, when the government's involved, that's an added risk factor that is hard to model from a valuation perspective. In other words, we can't really look at historical valuation ranges anymore. And those valuation ranges have to be widened um, by at least a couple of turns um, when you're looking at historical valuation. So just because, you know, the government's regulation is involved and there's potential for them to shake things up. This is why, uh, you know, I'm in a tough spot um, from a fundamental analyst. Um, and, you know, it's it's hard to figure this out because, to your point, valuation is very cheap. Baba, all of them, JD even, which, we, you know, I've been negative on, um, all the big yeah. giants, Tencent. But, but like, yeah, like one thing I learned – go ahead. Yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Go no, I was going to say, it's like one, th- one thing I learned from Ami uh, is that, you know, you want to take advantage of these – you know, it's scary, right, but usually you want to take advantage of these situations – you know, trade up, you know, if you can buy big, great companies that are on sale during these periods, you know, and everyone else is, you know, puking them, you know, if you can afford to have a three to five year view, you know, that can be a great opportunity to step in just kind of my own tactical thinking. Um, I, I, I actually, I actually, 
don't even think it takes three to five years. I don't think this regulation thing, this is how I feel because a lot has already happened, right? So it gets to my question of like, what else could they do? What else could they do? They've already done more than what people have thought. So that's why there's fear, but so it's like know, they've already fear. put out a lot. Yeah, yeah peak fear. fear. Yeah. I don't know. So, Felix, might, it, sounds, I, I, it sounds like you should yeah. stop writing on uh, China and just, you know, buy some of these stocks in your PA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a joke. <laughs> I know, I know. Can't do that. It, it, um, it, 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 it's just extremely volatile right now. I, I, but I think you don't even need three to five years, frankly. I think next year even could be a very different year. Um, it will take them some time to figure out what the government – government officials are not dumb. They're, they're going to figure out what they've done, and they're going to figure out if this is the right step for China to undertake. And if the risks and the negativity that result from what they've, you know, issued is outweighs the potential benefits, they're going to stop. They're going to step off the accelerator. Uh, I, I, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I, I hope not because by that time, it may have been already too much, you know, negativity. I think they are already beginning to realize what they're doing um, could be a little bit too much. So I think regulation-wise, you know, they will still continue to come. You, you'll still see new policies. But what I hope going forward is more of a uh, softening of the language and more of like, hey, here's some big slaps on the wrist. I don't want to kick you out, but, uh, you know, here's some big slaps on the wrist. That Got kind it. of thing. Go uh, ahead, Andrew. I mean, can I, I, sure. I just want to – Flipping this question. No, I, and this is just more of a selfish question, Felix, than anything else. But, but like, ByteDance and TikTok, like, they're just, I mean, as you know, like, they're just crushing it from a user engagement standpoint, like, worldwide. And, you know, from what I understand, they're just about to start to ramp up monetization in a big way. Any update yep. there? And does this impact kind of their kind of ambitions of global dominance in the social media space? Well, ByteDance, before this regulation firestorm came about, they were going to go public. Um, and, you know, you and me were super excited. We, we weren't sure if it was going to be in the U.S., if it was going to be in Hong Kong, if it was going to be in China, but they were going to go public for sure. They even hired, they were always, already looking for a CFO at that time. And then 2021, um, you know, came about and there was more uncertainty. Well, first of all, the, the, you know, what the Trump administration did with their policies of, um, uh, if we go back in time to, to, to 2020, um, of basically trying to ban TikTok in the U.S., that led to a management chain. Kevin Mayer came in, as you know, Andrew, was CEO for a very brief time. Then he left because he didn't think you know, they ByteDance can get through this. And then ByteDance said, all right, we can get through this. There was a lot of litigation, and then all of a sudden, you know, basically TikTok is survived, and there was basically no change by my understanding, at least uh, externally. I don't know about internally, but externally there were no changes to the app uh, from the litigation. So fast forward to today, where is ByteDance stand? So ByteDance is is going to pause their uh, IPO plan. That includes TikTok. 
just because they're kind of under the same situation as Didi. Right now, they use, uh, for some of their apps, they're under scrutiny uh, for data protection, data privacy. Uh, so, you know, they're kind of in the same boat. Some of their apps can't even register. One of their news apps also stopped new user registration. But, but that, so, that's, that's in China, right? That's not in... Or that's that's in China. That's not in U.S. Yeah, so yeah. it doesn't impact or like the U.S. Europe or at all. Yeah, yeah, got it. Or okay. Europe. Yeah, it's only China-based, uh, but it has implications, right, for their overseas yep. business in terms of how they run things. Um, so I'll keep an eye on it. Look, I, I think right now, you know, TikTok is ruling the world. There's no one I've mentioned JoyY, TikTokYY, as a there's an end game involved for that company. It's coming. I mean, TikTok is now going into live streaming more. TikTok is doing more partnerships on advertising front. So it's, it's coming. And I think, I think ByteDance is in a great spot. They're also doing a lot of great things domestically in China that is putting a tons of competitive pressure on their peers. So I wish this company would, uh, would IPO. I don't think it's going to happen this year. It may not even happen next year. Meanwhile, they don't even have a, they have a new CEO now, the founder left. I mean, so like, you know, they 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 did what all the other internet giants in China did, which is the founder all left. Jack Ma, Richard Liu, Colin Huang from Pinduoduo, they all kind of took a step back and did their own thing after becoming super rich. Uh, so ByteDance is doing the same. So a lot has changed, but um, TikTok, that's the one thing that hasn't changed, which is their dominance internationally. Got it. Thank you, Felix. Tommy, um, you had a question? Um, yeah. Um, it's even a little bit more selfish than yours, Andrew. Um, <laughs> Felix, um, which companies that you've like done the work on or medium, even a medium amount of work on in your space um, that are still founder-led will grow fastest over the next three years, I mean, revenue-wise? Just, just Forgetting about regulations, forgetting about valuations, forgetting about all that. What are the three fastest growers in your space over the next three years? Um, gosh, I, I think you know you have to do you have to pick something in the visualization space. Um, I still think there's there's opportunity for China to grow in that space still because of what you know TikTok or the some China version of TikTok doing had done in terms of capturing young users' minds, interest in their livelihood. Um, and everybody is trying to copy that in some respect. So this is a major wave of visualization going on. One of the companies I've been pitching a lot these days is uh, ZH is Google. You know, I think they're still in the early stages. Yeah, this is a very volatile stock, just like everything else in my space. But if you have a longer term view, you know, this is a company that has a long trajectory of potential opportunities. They're not new. They're a pretty, actually a pretty old company right now, but this is the first time they're actually thinking about how to make money. And uh, they have a lot of role models to go through. So. The government's not going to go after them. They're still small. 
five to six billion dollar market cap. They have, you know, only about a hundred million or so MAU. So, you know, they're not going to go after them. They have no anti-monopoly actions against this company. Other companies in this mix, you know, Billy Billy, I've talked about, which I'm actually negative at this point. Uh, but they still have a very good general feel for the Gen Z peop, uh, population. So. I think revitalization, you know, uh, is an interesting emerging theme for the three to five years. These companies will probably grow faster than their peers. I also think, I mean, you got to focus on where the young people are. What are they doing, you know, their interests? Uh, so, like, apparel companies, domestic apparel companies could give Nike, Adidas, some issues longer term in China because there's a very kind of a domestic wave going on and um, people are preferring domestic brands versus international uh, international brands in China at the moment. So they have a long, longer way of development um, because, you know, they, they fought the superpower uh, brands for so long, they didn't get much interest from consumers. Now they have an opportunity. So, you know, those, those, those players could benefit. And then I would say, I, I still am doing more work on this, but autos, like everybody keeps talking about, you know, smart cars, uh, uh, auto taxis, uh, one day where, we, where you have to go shopping, you don't need a driver. You just hop into any car without a driver, and they'll take you there. I mean, it's fun to think about, right? Um, but autonomous driving is, is, is getting a lot of investments in China. China's leading the way in this area uh, by a mile. Uh, so everybody wants to get involved. Um, I think it's fun to think about. I've always dreamed one day when we wake up, you know, we have flying taxis and flying cars. Uh, that was, when I was a little boy, I kept thinking about having those dreams. Maybe, we'll, you know, these dreams won't come to reality, but people can try. Uh, uh, to, you know, advance the world of automobiles. Um, so a lot of companies in there, uh, in that field, I, I, ha I, got, I have a lot of work to do in there, but, you know, Tesla's been involved, um, Neo, Liotto, XPEF. So those are the big ones, but there's also smaller domestic companies as well that I think, um, thrive in this kind of investment period as well, as long as the government doesn't go after them. Now, they're new, so, you know, the government doesn't even know what to go after them for. So that's an advantage in my eye. Um, versus, say, old China companies like Alibaba, Tencent, Baidu, they've been around forever. Government have a very clear idea what they do and what they have done, so it's easier to go after those players. So just something to think about, but I think uh, hopefully I answered your question. Oh, yeah, totally. Just what is like the, what is like, give me an example of like a leading uh, Chinese apparel company who you think can take on Nike and Adidas locally? Because why not? Like, why not have like a cool brand that comes up in China and is dominant? Like, why not? Like, what's, what's special about Nike and Adidas? Who cares? Uh, because... Well, safety, reliance, you know, like you've never heard of this domestic company, but you heard of Nike. 
Hell yeah. I mean, when you watch the NBA, you know, NBA game, everybody's wearing Nike sneakers or Adidas sneakers. You know, you've heard of these guys. A company like the Ning or Antug, you know, it's harder, right? Because you're like, okay, um, I haven't heard of those guys. Do they make shoes? Do they make apparel? What do they make? But nowadays, China has kind of transformed itself into more of an influencer market. As long as you have the celebrities there to pitch your product, sold out instantly. So if Nike starts to lose the spokespeople, so to speak, because the local brands become more powerful and, and you know, the influencers want to partner with local brands, be careful there because these, these people can really influence how consumers shop. Um, there's a lot of fan fever uh, in China. And, uh, and yeah, actually the government's trying to crack down that as well. So it's called crazy fan syndrome. Um, but in the meantime, you know, for companies, for those two domestic companies, they've done phenomenally well. I think if you look at the stock price, they've quadrupled uh, in some cases. So way, way outperforming everybody else. And they're all li- listed in Hong Kong. What are those two figures? Do you, is there? Uh, so well, what were the two company names? What were the two company names that you said? Yeah, one is Leaning. So Leaning ticker is, uh, let me see here, Leaning Hong Kong. I got it. Yeah, it's 2331. Yeah, and okay. then um which I've talked about, is uh, 2020. So keep an eye on these two companies. Uh, they've done phenomenally well this year. Awesome. Wow. I think we're all a lot smarter, Felix, about all of this. Um, this is fantastic. Um, Andrew, do you have any more questions? I don't. No, that's been really helpful, Felix. Thank you. Um, so I guess, uh, guess guys, we'll wrap it up there. Um, thank you both, and thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of Unscripted Equity Curiosity. Catch you back here next time. The preceding has been presented for informational purposes only. None of the information contained herein constitutes an offer to sell or a solicitation of an offer to buy any security or investment vehicle, nor does it constitute an investment recommendation or legal tax accounting or investment advice by Hedgeye or any of its employees, officers, agents, or guests. This information is presented without regard for individual investment preferences or risk parameters and is general, non-tailored, non-specific information. This content is based on information from sources believed to be reliable. Hedgeye is not responsible for errors, inaccuracies, or omissions of information. The opinions and conclusions contained in this report are those of the individual expressing those opinions and conclusions and are intended solely for the use of Hedgeye subscribers and the authorized recipients of the content. All investments entail a certain degree of risk, and financial instrument prices can fluctuate based on several factors, including those not considered in the preparation of the content. Consult your financial professional before investing. The information contained herein is protected by United States and foreign copyright laws and is intended solely for the use of its authorized recipient. Access must be provided directly by Hedgeye. Redistribution or republication is strictly prohibited. For more detail, please refer to the Terms of Service at hedgeye.com terms of service.